Welcome to the What About series, where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. All right, everybody, episode 18 on the What About series. So we're on episode 18, actually. I've been realizing this slowly. We're on episode 18 in this series, and we're on episode 56 in our other series, which means we're almost to like, we're that much closer to 100. Super technically. close, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And we have the, the, the mindfulness series. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, we only have like six of those. Yeah. But... That's actually going to tie into today's episode absolutely. because we're actually going to do a follow-up episode from last week's What About series where we talked about stress and alcohol. So instead of drinking alcohol when you're stressed, you can do a couple of these exercises that we talk about today. And they're not even exercises. Some of them are just, I mean, one of them, spoilers, literally exercise. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, and just to kind of bridge the gap from last week, for those of you who didn't listen to it last week or need a reminder, we talked about how... Alcohol in general can make it a little bit harder for you to deal with stress on your own if you drink alcohol to relieve your stress. Like that's the, if you find yourself drinking when you're stressed and it's specifically to try to alleviate the symptoms of stress, that's when you start to see the inability over time to deal with it on your own. It downregulates your, your brain's natural ability to cope with stress, mm-hmm. which is the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, it just overall makes you less resilient towards stress. So that's what alcohol can do if you use it in relation to stressful situations or you'd come home from work after a stressful day and you use it to unwind if that's the specific reason you're doing it for. Yeah. Um, as a follow-up to that, there was a we had used a Instagram post from a researcher at Stanford Lab, Andrew Huberman. Great podcast. Go check it Strongly out. Strongly recommend it. It's amazing. Yeah. He did a whole episode about alcohol and its effect on stress. And an individual posted a summary of that episode that I wanted to read through really quick to kind of bridge the gap between last week and this week. So from Sagir Jetty, some guy on Twitter, I don't know, but he summed <laughs> up the episode that talks about alcohol and stress. He says that even moderate amounts of alcohol use, uh, even moderate amount of alcohol use leads to neurodegeneration and loss of brain function over time. Number two, alcohol does not alleviate stress. It increases anxiety and chronic stress. And number three, alcohol is a killer of healthy regenerative sleep. So that is the the follow-up of, oh, that's the summary of the Andrew Huberman episode on alcohol and stress. And we're going to talk about a few of those things that how alcohol, well, first of all, alcohol is just not going to do anything for stress really over the long term. It's going to make things worse. Um, And one thing that I want to talk about with stress relief in general is sleep and alcohol is actually a killer of healthy sleep as well. So I guess the last things on alcohol, it's if you're using it to, to de-stress, if you're using it to take the edge off on stressful situations, um, we can't make any professional suggestions or give you medical advice, but friends to friends, I guess as listeners and podcasters, um, we would just recommend or where we would, we would hope that those of you that, Maybe choose to drink. If you do it, awesome, great. You do you. But just be aware of the fact that um, doing it when you're stressed can lead to some un- unhelpful situations in your life. And that's that's really it. Yeah. And from here, we really just want to talk about some other healthy coping mechanisms, or not coping mechanisms, some he- some healthy healthy coping tools to deal with stress healthily and in um, beneficial ways for you. Yeah. So 
Let's do that. Number one, you're all going to hate this one, but breathe, just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who sings that, to be honest. But that's it's a great tool we have is to breathe. And that's one way we talked about riding the waves of grief a little while ago. And you can relate this to stress as well. To ride the waves of stress, a great way to do it is to breathe. Because what breathing does, and I guess focusing on your breathing. Mm -hmm. You're breathing right now as you're listening to this, even though you're not paying attention to your breath. Yeah. So pay attention to your breath. Because what that's going to do is ground you to the present moment. Okay? And in the present moment, most of the time, stress doesn't really exist, if that makes sense. Sure, you can be in a stressful situation, like at work and stuff, but of course you're not going to pull out some booze and just start drinking in the middle of work. Exactly, yeah. You know? And you're going to do that at home after you've gone through the stressful situation to feel better. So these are things that you can do as you're feeling stressed in the middle of it, or especially after when you feel like you need a drink, is to just breathe. Focus on your breath. You can do what's called square breathing. I don't know if we've talked about this in the uh, mindfulness episodes or not, but square breathing is simply breathing in for four seconds, holding, or sorry, not four seconds. No, it's four. I think so. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with this one. Anyway, breathing in until your lungs are full-ish, holding your breath for four seconds, exhale, and then hold it for four seconds after you've exhaled, and then breathe in again. Mm-hmm. And that's a great tool. I actually use that one quite a bit. And what's cool about this is that the more you practice it, the more you'll find yourself like taking deep breaths when you are stressed naturally. Because this is what you're going to start doing is creating this pattern in your brain for when you're stressed, you're going to breathe, and that's going to remind you, I guess, again, you're going to take a deep breath, Maybe increase your breathing, not necessarily rate, just increase the length of your breathing if you hold it, stuff like that. Practice square breathing. But you're going to naturally start doing this, and you'll naturally start focusing on your breath more because your body will take that deep breath. You're like, oh, okay, I'm a little stressed right now. You focus on your breath instead of just nonchalantly going right to the alcohol because that's what you've done for so long. Yeah. It's breaking the habitual cycle of uh, of alleviating symptoms rather than yep. facing it for what it is, yeah. I guess. It's running away from the dragons, Jordan Peterson would say, instead of facing it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's um, that's something that's a huge proponent of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is um, it's we're not here to change our thoughts. We're not here to change our situations. We're here to ground ourselves to the present moment and face our lives for what they are. Yeah. And to learn how to do that through a bunch of different skills and... Um, I guess analogies, but a lot of different exercises and skills, things like that. Um, But I I had actually found an article that had a really great quote on how acceptance and commitment therapy goes well with meditation, mindfulness, and overall Mm -hmm. distress Mm -hmm. um, management. Because that's not stress relief; it's it's more management. And if it's done in a healthy way, it's more stress management than anything. And so I'm just going to read this from. It's a very well mind article, like we always do, but it does a great job of explaining how acceptance and commitment therapy relates to stress. And it says. Because the main goal of ACT is to accept one's present circumstances, become more comfortable with them, and be more empowered to move beyond them with minimal stress, 
meditation is an extremely helpful tool for this kind of stress, which is distress that we talked about last time. Yeah. Uh, the practice of mindfulness and meditation can allow you to practice being aware of your stressors and then letting go of the need to react. This can minimize the stress you feel as well as a tendency many, many of us have to overreact to the stress that we experience when we feel trapped. This can come in the form of rumination, catastrophizing, and other stress exacerbating habits that many of us engage in, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's one of the many things that mindfulness and meditation can do with stress management is it helps you be aware of your stress rather than running from it. Because when you can fully understand what you're stressed about or what you're stressing over, you can more fully grapple with it in a healthy way and manage it and solve the problems that come along with it. Because one of the problems with alcohol use when it comes to de-stressing or stress relief, whatever you want to call it, is it's not relieving the symptoms of anxiety. It's more or less dissociating you from them. Because they're the way I like to, this is no way in scientific, but the way I like to visualize it is that those feelings of stress are still in there in your brain. It's that we metaphorically throw a rug over them when you drink mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when the alcohol wears off, it gets pulled back. And a lot of the times it's a little bit more intense, a little bit moldy. You moldy know, cheese. Moldy cheese underneath yeah. the rug. If you throw cheese under a rug, it's going to mold up and get all stinky. And that's what stress is. If you throw it under a rug, it it gets worse. It doesn't go away. You just dissociate from it for a little while while you're affected by the by the alcohol itself when you go through the chemical yeah. processes of inebriation yeah. and all that. So meditation grounds you to the moment so you can be fully aware of what you're actually stressed about and fully understand it rather than dissociating from it. So therefore, yeah. you can um, manage it better and yeah. even see if it's a stressful thing at all. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be saying, that is so dumb. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 heard this time and time again. Yeah. All these YouTube videos, all these Instagram posts, it's dumb. doesn't work. How many times have you tried it? Hmm. Once? Twice? Maybe every day for a week. To be frank, that's not long enough. Mm-hmm. You need to be really consistent with meditation and mindfulness practices to actually start to see lasting effects. It can take a long time. Like, depending on the person, years, honestly, of practicing over and over again for your body, for your natural inclination to just go into that mindfulness mode when you are feeling stressed. Yeah. And so it's not a 21 days to make a habit. Like, that's that's not real. Mm-hmm. It can take up to, I would say, if you do it every day, it can even take up to a whole year, mm-hmm. like, to actually make it a habit. And so just stay committed, and it can only, it could be five minutes a day. That's really all you need. Yeah. Five minutes. And you can start overcoming stress through being mindful. Absolutely. Because like, if you, if you really expect it to happen after a couple of times or maybe a week or even a month, think about how long you've been reacting to stress in the way that you were reacting to it. Right. How long have you yeah. been coming home after work and drinking a glass of wine? How long have you been coming home from work? And I'm going to think of something else here that's not alcohol and just jumping on the video games and pretending like your stress doesn't exist Yeah. or lashing out at your spouse or your kids. How long have you been reacting this way to stress? How long have you been doing this? You're probably doing it in some way, form or another your whole life, however old you are. Even if you're one years old, you've been doing it for one year, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're 30, 25, even like 19 years old, you've been coping with stress this way for a very long time. 
Yeah. So you can't expect to start dealing with stress in another way in such a short right. amount of time. Right. That's not to say it's going to take you 19 years to be to get a good mindfulness practice, but it will take some time. And it's different for everybody. Maybe it is 21 days for you. Maybe it is a week. Maybe it's two years for you to really get that new neural pathway set up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, if it takes... Um, if it takes years to to build one building one way, it's going to, it's going to take a similar amount of time to build a building and the same, a, a different way. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but yeah. you're building up a very complex thing. So be patient with it. You know, it's, it's, it's going to require a little bit of, a little bit. It's going to require a lot of patience from you, which is, it. which is actually part of the mindfulness. The patience yeah. is part of the meditation, the, yeah. the waiting on, these feelings to come and go as they please yeah. to be comfortable with that happening and aware of the fact that you need to essentially <laughs> to take a chill pill. <laughs> That's an oversimplification of it, but yeah. to allow yourself to feel those feelings for long enough to, to pass for them to pass on their own. Yeah. Now we're going to go a little deep here. So bear with me. But when we create, so we have neural pathways in our brain, right? The like roads for our neurons in a sense, this is how like habits are formed and things like that. The neurons carve out this pathway to just go really automatically. And when you need to create a new habit, we are simp- this this idea of we're uprooting our old habits and replacing them with new is not true from a brain standpoint. We are literally laying down new like asphalt on top of the old asphalt. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm getting at here is if you've been practicing mindfulness for years and you want to overcome drinking str- drinking stress when you're alcohol <laughs> drinking alcohol when you're stressed after you've practiced mindfulness for so long and you still have inclinations every once in a while to drink when you're stressed that's because that neural pathway is still there it never went away it never went away it's still there it's just beneath this new neural pathway that you've set and so that's just another reason to be more patient give yourself more grace because that's just the way our brains work like these neural pathways are never going to go away Mm -hmm. especially if you've done it for so long 20 years at this point or however long that neural pathway is going to be there and so if you are trying to get rid of a habit for the rest of your life and never think about it and it never ever have the chance to come back up that's just not realistic Mm -hmm. and so just keep in mind when you're laying a new foundation you're not getting rid of the new foundation, essentially. You're just laying down new things on top of it. Yeah, it's, it's like painting over a wall. You know, yeah. if you ever had an older house and there's like some type of really old, nasty paint on there, you paint over it, and if you sometimes it gets scratched and it reveals the paint that was underneath it. Yeah. You know, it's it doesn't go away unless you replace the drywall. There's no way to replace the drywall of the human brain, from my understanding. Yeah. Maybe there is. Brain transplant. Brain transplant, maybe. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, but the, the wall gets scratched, and it reveals the thing that used to be there. And it's yeah. maybe a little bit ugly, and you don't like it. Um, but you can paint back over it. You can do the work to to set things back to the way you want them to be through your mindfulness practice, through your anchoring. Um, I'm using words that we've used in previous episodes, but to anchor yourself, anchor yourself to the present moment and remember your values to who you want to be and where you want to go. Yeah. And that's, that's like broad speaking with like mental health in general, but think about that in the, the light of stress, you know, what's most important to you and what are your values? And if that paint gets scratched every now and then just feel that scratch, 
and they see that reveals the paint underneath with your values, you know, yeah. Turn back to the, what's most important. Yeah. So that's another thing we can talk about is another, another thing you can do. And this is a good should should do is identify your values. Mm -hmm. Like what do you value in life? What do you want? What do you want to accomplish while you're here on this earth for such a short amount of time? Who do you want to become? What are things you want to do? What are things you want to say? Who are people you want to be around? What are those values? And after you identify those, start setting some goals. What are some goals that you can do to achieve said value? And that'll give you a purpose, and that'll give you something to do when you are feeling either things like addiction and Mm -hmm. things like alcohol usually are most powerful when you're bored. You're not doing anything. Yeah. And when you start thinking about stressful, stressful situations, things like that, you start getting stressed, you start becoming a head case, that's when you want to drink or that's when you want to go look at porn. That's when you want to smoke, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. So identify your values and go after them. And that brings me to another point is just get up and move. Yeah. Like it studies have shown that you're after sitting for about 20 minutes, your dopamine decreases pretty significantly. Yeah. So if you get up your dopamine gets back up there it go, I, don't, I don't know the specific percent it's like 20 percent or something like that yeah um it'll go down 20 percent when you sit down it's like basically one percent a minute yeah. i could be totally wrong on this but you get the idea and when you stand up even just for five minutes that dopamine goes back to where it was before it went down yeah and that's primarily because dopamine is a it's like the it's habit-forming neurotransmitter. It's the motivational neurotransmitter mm-hmm. that gets you up and mm-hmm. doing things. That's why people who are depressed typically have really low dopamine levels because yeah. either that's causing the depression or the depression is causing that. It doesn't. It's kind of hard to tell. But um, if you're stressed out and you're just kind of sitting there, the more you just sit there and don't do anything. I don't want to say don't do anything about it, but the more you just kind of stay stagnant about it, maybe just start drinking and just start going into your unhealthy coping mechanism. Like Ian was saying, your dopamine levels are going to go down and you're going to be less motivated to, to get up and do things, especially things that are in line with your values. Yeah. So even just by getting up and choosing something, anything that is in line with your values, that will naturally increase dopamine levels, which will increase your motivation and which will increase and reinforce healthy habits. That's kind of what dopamine is there. It, it reinforces unhealthy habits, but its primary, primary function is to reinforce healthy and health promoting habits to keep you alive longer. That's kind of yeah. the point of, of dopamine. That's the, the whole point keep that it's there to keep you moving really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reinforces bad habits like pornography and alcohol. And so you have to learn how to take control of your dopamine pathways. And Andrew Huberman, we talked about him earlier in the podcast. He has an amazing episode on controlling your dopamine and regulating it. It's like several hours or something, it's, isn't it? It's like four hours or something yeah. like that. So if you want to know more about like habit forming and motivation and like dopamine in general, I would highly recommend going to listen to him because he's amazing. Yeah. We can only provide like, like a scratch of information, like one line of information right. based off what he could. But I mean, you've heard of the black box analogy, like the phone. Yeah. yeah. The black box analogy is therapists tend to focus more on what the black box does, not necessarily how it does it. Yeah. It's like Andrew Huberman, he focuses on how the black box works, not yeah. necessarily what it does. Mm-hmm. And we, we tend to yeah. be the opposite. Like what, yeah. what this does, like dopamine is motivation and it's, it's, it's habit and reward center really. Right. Um, so engage in activities that you find not only rewarding, but that are in line with your values that reward you in a value-based way. Because And that comes from understanding your values first. Yeah. 
And one value that a lot of people have that I'm starting to get into more is like health and fitness. Yeah. And exercise in and of itself. Most people know this. I don't know the mechanisms of it, but it's a great stress reliever in general. It regulates your cortisol levels, um, which is a which is a hormone that is typically linked to high levels of stress. If you have high cortisol, it means you're probably really high stressed. Um, and Andrew Huberman also has an episode about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you go listen to that as well. But exercise in general is a healthy stress healthy stress management technique. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer or anything like that. But I know the basics that um, it does a really good job of um, increasing dopamine levels with positive reinforcement as well as um, regulating your cortisol cycles. Yeah. And just overall making you, I don't know, it just makes you feel good. Like non-scientific, you just feel good after you work out, you know? Yeah. It, it, um, it regulates emotions for me at least when I find myself working out. And I don't know, it's almost like I just did that hard thing, you know? I worked out and that. That's rewarding. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, you can't be really thinking about your stress if you're, if you're worried about how much weight is on your back when you're on squatting. The bench, baby. <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> you're not going to be thinking about your, your stress from work if you're thinking about the 300 pounds on your back when you're squatting. <laughs> and that's, that's an oversimplification of what it does, but it turns your mind towards something that's a little bit more important to you if fitness is important for you. Sure. It turns your mind to something yeah. that matters right now, this weight yeah. that's on my back, you know, and on that same note. Think of other hobbies that you care about, yeah. that you find fulfilling, um, and that even could be, you know, things like video games, like in a healthy sure, way. Absolutely. Um, if there's something about like a specific video game and you're doing it for a good reason, like oh, Minecraft is one for me. That sounds super silly, dude. But it's I quality game. I love like one of my values is just like beauty. I don't know if that's even a value, but just like like art, art. And, and creation. Yeah. I guess yeah. of like that's I really like art and. In a way, I like to create things in Minecraft, and I find it very therapeutic in a way. I, I find it stress relieving. How about yeah. that? To yeah. go into Minecraft and to focus on making a house as beautiful as I can <laughs> using the blocks in Minecraft. Yeah. And I use that as a way to channel my value of like art and beauty, creation. Um, things like that. And same with for me, like I love fly fishing. It's because I, I love nature a lot. Yeah. And I love to appreciate the beauty of nature. So I don't go out to, I don't go fishing to run from my stress. I go out fishing to connect with nature because I find it very fulfilling to see the beautiful state that I live in with these really cool fish that have really cool patterns and that like to fight when you hook them in the mouth. You know, it's, it's something about that I find very fulfilling. So anything really, I, I believe any hobby I mean, not drinking and not, <laughs> not, <laughs> drinking's not, not a hobby, not pornography, but like, you know, if you think of a hobby, most people know what that is. Most yeah. hobbies you can turn into a very healthy stress management technique, as long as it's done for the right reason and not as an avoidance technique. Right. You, know, you have to be aware of why you're doing things. Yeah. And that's the key. Like going back to working out, you can't just do any workout. I think Andrew Huberman talks about this. Actually, you can't just go and squat if you hate doing it. Exactly. Because studies show that even though you're working out, your dopamine levels aren't going to increase as much as they would if you were doing something that you actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love the gym. I go there almost every day. And my workout regimen is usually whatever I want to do. Like it's it's things that I want to do for fun. Like at the beginning of last year, I squatted, or this year, I squatted every single day. And that's all I did. Mm-hmm. It was just because I thought it was really fun. And I enjoyed doing it. And it got me out to the gym. So if you don't like hitting the weights 
or doing some curls for the girls, things like that, then don't. Find something in the gym that you think is fun. If you like calisthenics, which is body weight stuff, you know, you want to do some pull-ups and push-ups, like do it. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Go find what you like to do and go do it. You want to shoot some hoops? Go ahead. Play some catch with your friends with some football or frisbee? Go do it. Like it doesn't have to be a specific workout. It can be just whatever you enjoy. Same thing with any hobby. Like if you enjoy it, then it's going to increase your dopamine levels, which will lower your stress levels. Yeah. And another great tool is to read. Mm. Reading actually has been proven out of most of these tools that we talked about to lower stress more than anything else, which is interesting just to read. Obviously you read something you'd like because if you're reading like a textbook, you know, my dopamine levels would probably decrease when I read textbooks. But when you read something fun, like a fantasy book or whatever genre you like, studies have shown that it lowers your stress by like 70%, mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. It's crazy. So reading. Read a book. Read some read, Harry Potter. Read a book. Read some Hunger Games. You wizard. Go yeah, read. Go find a cool article online about something that you're interested in. Right. Read about it. That's what I do, honestly. Yeah. I have a hard time reading books for some reason. Yeah. But I'll think of a random topic. I mean, ADD, ADHD. I'll just think of something random pop into my head. I'll find a a PubMed article or something about it. It's usually like science-based. Typically, it's what it is. And I'll read about it. And I'll come away from that just like, wow, I didn't know that. And like, I have a little bit of knowledge now. And this, <laughs> yeah. I have a huge value of like intelligence and knowledge. And I love yeah. knowing things and researching yeah. things. And so, yeah, it could just be anything. Like that reading can take the form of anything. And that's, that's what I love so much about acceptance and commitment therapy is how flexible it is. And flexibility is at its core. Like we, we de-stress by becoming more flexible and more and mentally exactly and, <laughs> and by allowing yourself to become okay with things yeah. and accepting things it's in the name acceptance and commitment therapy and that is the beauty of value-based goals and right. goal-based um, values because it doesn't matter how you're fulfilling this thing how you're engaging in this value as long as it is linked to it somehow and you feel the benefit from that then it doesn't matter what it is like with you. It doesn't have to be a rigid routine. Like I only feel my value of exercise or fitness is fulfilled. If I do 30 minutes of squats every single day, right. it's my value of fitness is fulfilled. If I can wake up and do 10 push ups. if right. I engage in some type of activity that is linked to this value, yeah, it's the same with me in like nature, like my love of nature, like art, I can go out and go on a walk and that fulfills that. And it's yeah. going to be different for different people, but yeah. the more flexible you are with the way that you fulfill and live your values, the more that you'll find that it's easier to live them. Yeah. Because it could be anything. And it sounds very like Peter Pan-ish, you know, like mysterious, mysterious. You could be Magic. anything. It could be anything you want it to be, but yeah, it can, it, can. it really can. Yeah. And that's the beauty and the real, like the real, like how real acceptance and commitment therapy is, is because it is not just one thing. You don't have to be anything. As long as it's in line with your values, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can always live within your values. Yeah. And that, um, will take a lot of the existential dread out of your life. In my opinion, because you never have to worry about who you are and what you, like if what you're doing is meaningful for you because you're living by your values. Yeah. And I think a lot of stress comes from places that we don't truly understand. But if we can turn towards something that we do understand and care about and love like our values, 
then we can always be attached to something that we know is a, a, a constant in our lives. Yeah. I hope that didn't sound like a bunch of hibbity-bibbity, but um, the values are always there to turn to when we have nowhere else to turn. Right. And they're always going to help us. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. You can go back and listen to our previous episodes, just the ones specifically about acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. I don't know off the top of my head what episodes they were. But you might be saying, oh, but isn't that running away from our stress? And the answer is no. In acceptance and commitment therapy, you accept what you're feeling, which is stress, and then you go and live a value-based life. You look at your stress and say, hey, I, I see you. You're here. I appreciate you. But I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to the gym. You basically invited along with you. Like yeah. You one, of the, one of the techniques that a lot of acceptance and commitment therapists use is called put it in your pocket. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll write down the stress that you're feeling. You'll put it in your pocket, like literally on a paper, put it in your pocket and then you'll go and do the thing that matters to you. Yeah. Like I'm stressed about work. You put that, write it down on a, on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket and then go to the gym. You're literally inviting your stress to come along with you while you're doing something that you care about. Yeah. It's not avoidance. So that's a right. really good point to bring up. Yeah. You're not avoiding stress. You're simply bringing it along with you as you go through your values go towards your values and achieve the goals that you want and become the type of person you always want to be. Yeah, exactly. And that is um, stress management in a nutshell. It's living with what you have going on in your life and choosing to live your values no matter what. Yeah. And so I guess we can recap a little bit some of the things that you can do. Um, you can exercise. You can get more sleep. We didn't talk about that, but make sure you're getting enough sleep in your day, getting your enough sleep that you need. And really the most important thing that we talked about today is living in accordance with your values, determining what they are, and then living in accordance to them. That could be reading, that could be going to the gym, that could be connecting with someone else. I guess that is another good stress relief technique, spending time with people that you care about and love. Like for me, great stress relief is bonding with my wife and hugging, like just cuddling, you know, oxygen. Bonding, yes. Um, <laughs> oxytocin is a huge yeah, proponent sure. of yeah. mood regulation because of yeah. its ability to increase serotonin mm -hmm. as well, which is a mood state, like not mood stabilizing, it um, has a lot to do with our mood. Um, so all these different things that you can do that are beneficial, that if they're in line with your values, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. If that is a value-based activity, it will be stress relieving, in my humble opinion, and that's what the research suggests as well. Right. And getting drunk is not a value. So it's not. We'll end with that. We you hope can't you learned turn something it into a new. Value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we honestly though, we hope you learned something new. And if your initial thought is, wow, it was a waste of time. That was dumb. I knew with all of those things. Well, ninety percent, I'll bet, you're not doing those things. And if you are, it's not consistent. So give it a try, be consistent, try and make a habit, carve those new neural pathways. And just be easy on yourself because I know it can be really hard, especially if you've been drinking to relieve stress for a long time. It's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Seek professional help if you need it and just keep going towards your values. And eventually you will become the person that you've always wanted to be. And it's going to take a lot of work, but you can do it. And you'll bring your stress, anxieties, all that stuff with you as you do it. It's just a part of life. And never forget to breathe, as Enoch so beautifully said in the beginning. Because that's right. That's going to be your number one <laughs> um, emergency protocol, is to, just yep. to breathe it out and ground back to the present moment. Yep. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you if you got this far. 
We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Peace. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? Yeah.